Episode 65, 65, 65, we going live, we going live, welcome back to another episode of Goodnight Harlem, we are your hosts, this is Avia, Avi Gats, and this is Law, aka Law Will made it apparently, um, we are in the middle of uh, a pandemic, We are in the middle of a lot of social uh, animosity, and we have a very heavy episode today. We're not going to do it our standard way. We're not going to have hyper good nights because there's really only one focus for us today, and it is all about uh, the protests and the response to black death black killings, uh, black lives not necessarily mattering. Um, Police brutality. And yeah, we're just going to open the floodgates about that. And we're just going to have a real conversation today. That's what we're going to do. Avi, I kind of want to start this off with how you've been feeling as a black woman. And then I'll get into how I've been feeling as a black man. And then we can go from there and just have a conversation. Um, One... I have I have not been sleeping well. Uh, I have not been sleeping well since Tuesday, and I'm already a semi insomniac anyway. Like wow. I'm, I'm I'm very much a night owl. But every night I've been waking up between the hours of three and four, and not being able to go back to sleep. And you know what happens when you can't go back to sleep? Sometimes you just get on your phone and you scroll through social media, and that was not the move for me because then I was really awake. Right. And it was even harder for me to go back to sleep because there was so much information that was coming out in such a small time frame that I would find myself in these black holes of Twitter just trying to get more information and trying to watch another video and trying to get another perspective and trying to learn something else that's going on in a different place. Um you know, the craziest thing is that the, I don't think I found out about Brianna until Tuesday, last Tuesday, Brianna Taylor. Um, I had a nightmare that same night that I found out about her story. And the nightmare was pretty much almost what played out in what happened in her story. And it was literally, I dreamt that Someone had barged through my door, found me, and was about to shoot me. And I say was about to shoot, so I I did not imagine myself actually getting shot, but it felt so real. It felt, I woke up thinking that it actually happened. And I woke up looking around to make sure no one was in my apartment. My apartment's super tiny. There's no way that I would not be able to see that someone wasn't there just from looking up um i've had i've struggled to uh do my work right um i have to tell you last wednesday to friday i i almost lost it 
I really almost lost it and I almost did not make it through. Um, it was, it was, it was tough for me. It was super tough for me. Did you, did you tell anybody at work or did you, did you engage at all? Like, or did you just um, keep it to yourself? When I was going, when I was going through it at the time, no, I did not tell anybody at work. That's taking on a lot, man. Because, I mean, there was one person that I told, I mean, there was a couple people that I told and they were black. So there was reach outs done and there were phone calls made. And one of them is um, someone I consider to be a great mentor. She actually reached out to me and she's in a, a senior position and she's black. And she reached out to me and we were just sharing how we felt and what we were going through. And I found solidarity in that as well. Um, and then my black coworkers that I'm tight with, you know, just in talking to them, one of my good friends, just talking to him and just, we, we were all on the same page. It's one of those things you don't have to explain, you right. know? Um, but, you know, other coworkers, I didn't reach out to say anything or I didn't make, make it a point to engage, to tell them, Hey, this is what's going on with me because I was trying to wrap my, my mind around how can I get through this day? Right. The last thing on my mind is trying to talk to someone to tell them how I feel, especially if it was someone that I don't feel would understand. So, um, I got through last week by the skin of my teeth. Honestly, I really did. And, uh, Part of me was super grateful to be working from home because honestly, if I had to be in the office during that time, I probably would have walked out. That's how much it was emotionally affecting me. Um, and it didn't really help that when I, like I said, when I would take these social media breaks, it was an influx of more and more information. Right. You know? So that's what I've been going through. Um, what about you? Man, uh, and this, again, all this is just how we're feeling in the moment. So for me, I think the first thing for me was seeing another black body just being, you know, shown to the masses as if it doesn't mean anything, right? Like, I'm, I'm looking at the visual that has carried through social media and you don't normally see that if a white person dies you don't you don't see i don't know if i've ever seen that like and so it almost when you see it as much as we do it almost desensitizes people to the idea that we're humans mm -hmm. that bothers me and at the point that it happened at the same time as the amy cooper right situation right I was just reeling off of the Amy Cooper situation and how that took place. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't want to have to get into the details of Amy Cooper's situation, but the fact that Amy Cooper is just not, for whatever reason, in her mind, unaware. Because she, she's making it as if she's woefully aware. Like, she does not understand the implications of her saying, there is an African-American man that's threatening me to the cops like what that does because he could have suffered the same fate that floyd did do you know what i mean she knew that but she's saying that she didn't that's not how it... we know from that tape she's a great liar 
I'm just, listen, <laughs> listen, I'm only repeating what she's saying. I'm not saying I agree with her. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that I've, I'm empathizing with her. I'm saying the fact that she's acting as if she doesn't get it blew my mind. Like, fucking blew my mind. So then I'm dealing with that already, right? And I'm like, oh, man, he could have just died, right? Like, my brain went, man, why would you do that to somebody? And then all I see is a photograph of the Floyd stuff. That's it. I see a photograph. I see a cop's knee on a guy's neck. And immediately I go, I can't, I can't watch. Like somebody already got me with the Ahmaud Aubrey stuff. Remember I told you like, I click a video, I don't know what the Ahmaud Aubrey stuff, and I see the, and I'll see the whole thing. I lose it because I'm like, I don't watch this kind of shit. I don't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't like, it will, it will give me nothing but negativity. Like, it brings nothing but negativity to me. So when I see the photograph of Floyd, I just, man, I just start crying, man. Immediately, I was just like, are you kidding? I already knew. I didn't need to read the caption. I didn't read to read shit. You're I just like, went. again. Again. Like, literally, Again. And then I'm, I'm still supposed to be doing stuff, right? Like, like I'm not supposed to not be paying attention to whatever is happening around me, right? Like, you're supposed to be invested. Whatever is happening work-wise is supposed to be the price. At this point, I don't give a fuck about what's happening at work. My brain has already went, what the fuck is this? What is this? Again. And... I just start thinking all the worst shit all at once. All of it hits me all at once. Like what? My initial thought after seeing George Floyd was how do I reconcile these feelings that I have around wanting to have children? Like I want to have two children, right? And my, my thought was always, you know, I have one boy, one half, I have one girl kind of thing. And then I really thought, I'm like, man, I don't think I can ever have a boy. Because I can't defend him. There's nothing I can do. Like, I bring you into this situation where they're never going to view you as the same. They're never going to treat you as the same. And anything you do to them could be a threat. And what am I supposed to do as a parent? Like my parents tried their hardest from ages four up to teach me how the general public would view me. And that the things that I was going to go through were going to be different than certain other people. And they did their best to like maneuver everything around that, right? And even with that and i'm thankful and grateful for everything that i've gone through and made it through and got to but i also recognize that for the most part i'm an anomaly with everything an anomaly like i don't know what's going to happen with my kids i can't possibly predict what's going to happen if i have a son and i'm not trayvon martin's parents like i don't have i don't have it in me to be as forgiving. So if something was to happen, I don't know. But 
immediately I was like, I don't know that I would ever be okay having a son because I can't. Not that I can control. Like Brianna's a girl. At the end I of was. Day. I was just about to say, like but, we see more men get killed, but but based on statistics, statistically, a black man is much more likely. You're right, and it's not close. You're right, but no one is safe. But that. But my thing is, I'm like, how do I alleviate more risk? The same thing you would have to teach your son, you would have to teach your daughter if absolutely. you think about no, it. No, absolutely. But my the difference is I'm trying, if I'm going to have children, I want to alleviate as much risk as possible. Like, I don't want, I don't want to have to think, man, is, is my son even going to make it home? Like, if the cop pulls him over, I would be scared shitless. Like, I'm like, damn. Even with me teaching you everything, I have no idea how that cop's day is going. Mm-hmm. So then what? And that's the thing. You don't have any control over that. You can only do so much. At the end of the day, you aren't there to prevent anything from happening. And that's the scary part is that you can equip your kids with all the tools and know-how of how to respond to cops in a proper way proper i say proper quote unquote because honestly at this stage it doesn't take much for us to get killed but you can teach them everything and it can still end up exactly that way my friend said something to me and it uh, the shit the shit messed with me he said oh yeah i don't let my son wear hoodies his son's like 6 right he's like oh i don't let him wear hoodies i don't care like I don't want, I don't want to give them another reason. What the, f- what? He's six, man. There's this video on Instagram with this, with this guy. It's a slew of, uh, of, it's a montage of videos of parents talking to their kids about what to do if they ever encounter the cops. And I think the youngest person in that video was this little girl who she had to be six or seven. And, you know, I've seen it reposted so many times people that are parents white people as well saying i cannot imagine having to teach my kids this it's all before they hit first grade it's unreal there's a whole different set of rules and like not like i told you from like age four up my parents were on me about everything because they're like we can't let anything happen to you right but why why would i want to raise a kid in this Hmm. like why would i like, I got to go somewhere, right? Like, I got to get out of the country if I want to have a boy, was my first thought. And I know, to the to your point, and to even the point that I made in my mind, Brianna's a girl at the end of the day. And it's not as if black women aren't treated just as bad. Look at what happens to black women when they're in pregnancy. Like, it's insane, right? So, I'm not saying that's going to be that much better. It's just, uh, yeah. I never even thought about the the having a child aspect of it. I mean, I, I won't say never, but I will say that last week, that wasn't one of the thoughts of mine. Um, I do agree with you that the we would have never been able to predict that everything that happened last week was going to happen. Um, it, it's super interesting because I know I had mentioned to you before that this Insecure episode that had just aired on sun, uh, that Sunday prior to... George Floyd getting murdered and 
it wasn't a heavy episode, but it was an episode that touched on race and how to face uh, possible covert racism and how do people of an Asian descent handle it versus versus people of a black descent handle it mm. and choosing to be positive or choosing to respond to it. And then this happens. And then, you know, you have the Amy Cooper versus Christian Cooper. You have the George Floyd. You have, I don't know if you saw the video of Tom Austin, yeah. head of uh, what? Yeah, I saw T2, it. T2J2, whatever company he had. Yeah. And you see something like that, and it's like, we can't do anything. We can't do anything without, and Tom Austin, did, Tom Austin didn't call the cops, but the fact of the matter was, he felt like those black men did not belong in the gym that he was in because they were black. And it was a we work gym. Well, that's not what he said, though. That's the problem. He Again, this goes, Amy's oh. story is different. You know what I mean? Like They're not going to say it. I know. This is what's no one's going to say, me, hey, I'm a racist. And this is why I thought this way. I'm going to call the cops now. Me, Can you stay right here? No one's oh. going to no one's going to say that. No one is going to say that because then the onus is on them. I, I think what's interesting is that there is the parallel between George Floyd and Amy Cooper is that you had someone telling a white person that what they were doing was wrong or illegal. And that white person, instead of doing the right thing, or doing what was legal. So in Amy's case, it was, Christian was pretty much just telling her, hey, your dog needs to be on a leash. That's the rule. There's signs up saying that. He's in the part of Central Park where it's for bird watching. If your dog is running up in the bushes, it's going to disturb what's happening. There was a specific reason why that rule was there. He was there to do something and she was there disrupting it. He wasn't there trying to be a Karen. He wasn't trying to be a jerk like, hey, put your dog on a leash for no reason. There was a reason for that. Then you have George Floyd and you have all these bystanders filming and, and looking at what Derek Chauvin is doing to him and telling him he cannot breathe. You need to get off of his neck. You had a, you had a, uh, a woman who I think she worked in the medical industry saying, you need to check his pulse. You need to do these things. And both of these white people, Amy Cooper and Derek Chauvin, didn't stop. They continued. But they continued in a matter that was like, I'm going to show you. Because I know you didn't see the video, but there was a point where Derek Chauvin had he had a smirk on his face and it was it was it was a look on his face that showed that he was going to do what he wanted to do regardless of what was happening and it, it was almost like a look of satisfaction almost which is insane amy the same thing she decided to put her academy award performance on with 911 right after being told that what she was doing was wrong and then after she made the call, decided to put her, her, her dog on the leash. So she knew what she was doing. These people know what they're doing. 
I don't, I don't hold it past. I don't put it past anyone that says, oh, I didn't know. It was 2020. You know exactly what you are doing by calling the cops on a black man. And the proof is George Floyd because, look, he's not even alive. Uh, the, the only thing I, the only thing I'm going to add to that, and I don't even feel like it's really adding, it's more so kind of doubling down on what you'd already said. Um, we, we recognize, especially being black people our age, we've seen enough, right? We've seen a whole bunch of shit. We all have experiences that kind of, in some way, shape, or form, we either know somebody's been through some bullshit like this, we've directly been through bullshit like this. I can't stand when somebody sees a video like that, either video, and says something like, well, what happened before that? Are you fucking serious? Like, I just, I want to lose my shit. I'm like, wait. You saw all this, and what your reaction is is they must have did something. That's the same. That's the same thing as as when people say, "Oh, I heard she got raped," but what was she wearing? Like what? The, no, seriously, it's the same what thing. The f- is that? It's the same exact thing. But with black people, we have to be doing something in order for this to happen, right? There has to be something that we did in order for us we to get killed. It. We provoked. We pro- it. you know how we provoked it. Our skin tone. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh Breathing, yeah. thriving, black girl magic, black boy joy. Or oh, you're you, running? You're you're jogging? Are you sleeping? Are you in your own home? Are you watching birds? Man. Tail light out? I don't know. I don't know. Like it, at a certain point, if you're if you're just looking for a reason for one of us to die, that's on you. But you have to reconcile that within yourself, right? Like you, if you're trying to justify black lives being killed, you gotta you gotta you gotta look deep in you. At that, I don't. Point. I don't think anyone who believes that has to do anything at that point. Like because anyone who believes that is probably a person who doesn't have to even care. Hello. <laughs> Let's let me let me ask you a question. Um, did your job do anything? And by by anything, I mean was there a message sent out? Was there uh, some communal anything to acknowledge what's going on, or did it just kind of go by the wayside? Um, this is one of those things that that got me really upset uh, last week. Uh, we we have the rights to the Eric Garner foot footage. Oh wow! So when it comes to any media outlet that's using that, they have to actually license it. They can't just save it in any sort of way because the the guy who took that cell phone f- footage has to get compensated, just like any other person who's taking any video. Who has um, who has taken any picture that gets used? Like th- there has to be a compensation. Um, so there was an email about that video in regards to how we treat it, how we should be licensing it, everything like that, and that set me off. It set me off because in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I can't believe I am selling processing an order of a, of a man or possibly could be depending on who, who wants it 
could poss possibly process an order of a of a black man who got killed by the hands of cops. And that I understand working in a media company, you understand the why. You understand that we are the catalyst for the news to come out and we have to supply the content for the story to be told, yeah. you know? So in that instance, I understand that. But the black side of me, not the work side of me, was just super hurt. And I, I didn't even know how to process that, honestly. So that was the first correspondence I had seen work-wise dealing with this whole situation. Um, we did have a couple internal messages that were sent out um, from HR and from our CEO. I will say that I actually spoke to my CEO one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. He reached out to me actually. And um, we had a very candid conversation. And I told him exactly how it feels to be me right now. Wow. Um, I told him how I felt about our company messaging. I told him how I felt about expectations, how I felt about just how things have transpired and communication. And he was there to listen. Um, and I can say that, you know, one of the things that I'm grateful for is working at a company where I can, where our CEO can actually reach out and, and want to hear what I have to say, because I'm, if anyone knows, I'm not in any position of power. <laughs> so I, it's, it's not like, it's not like I am a higher up and this is why it happened. So even more so, it was something that, at, that's really resonated with me, um, my company has not made a public statement. I'm not sure if they will, but they are they are taking action. Um, they're just being mindful of the type of action that they're taking. Okay. Because they don't they pretty much don't want to do it in vain. They don't want to do it because of this situation happening. They want to make actual long-term changes within the company that aren't just for this particular situation. So um, I think we are gonna have an open forum and I think we are gonna discuss some things regarding race, but I was super candid with him and I told him exactly how I felt. And you know, you know, I feel like that in itself uh, meant a lot to me. Now what comes after that, we will see. Right. But I think <laughs> the thing about it is, you know, you want the company that you work for to do the right thing. A lot of people don't even know what the right thing is. Right. And so, especially if they are a white person. <laughs> and, if you, and if you look at any major company or even a smaller company or even a startup, um, you're probably going to have a, a person who is not black in power. So I think... On one hand, as a black person, I, I want someone to say something. I want someone to do something. I am sticking it to them for action to be done. Not this, um, I don't know, like pacified way, not pacified, but passive way of 
skipping over the situation. Um, on another hand, I can acknowledge that people don't know what to do in these situations because they haven't taken the time to tackle these situations the first couple of times it's happened. When I say first couple of times, I mean like in the last six, seven years. <laughs> six, seven years. Because, I mean, if you want to talk about it, this has been happening since before our, we were both born. Right. But, um, you know, in my case, my CEO just became CEO last year. So this is his first time doing this job. Um, so he's learning and he's figuring out as, as it happens. But, you know, for anyone who's long withstanding within the company who has had the opportunity to do things in the past years and chose not to, yes, this is going to be hard for you to tackle because you did not take the opportunity to tackle it the first time it happened. And you probably thought, well, I'm not going to do anything now because I don't know what to say and I don't want to say the wrong thing and I want to move a certain way and we don't want to lose clients and we don't want to do this and you know we don't right. want to affect our revenue and didn't think it was going to ever happen again. <laughs> but look at how history played you every single year. So that's me. You played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, as far as my work is concerned, uh, I think the CEO of my company did an amazing job, sent out an amazing message. We went back and forth with a couple of messages. I thanked her because it was unexpected, right? Why was it unexpected? Uh, because I don't expect any CEO to jump into something that can potentially backfire. Like that can be screen captured, shared everywhere. If it's not uh, written properly, oh, right, it's a right, little right. tone deaf. Mm -hmm. And so you're in a lose-lose game. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, everything that was written made perfect sense. The tone and the manner were so spot on. I was blown away. Really? Mm hmm And she acknowledged her white privilege. That was unbelievable. I was blown away. Like, I've never had a CEO do anything like that. I, I wanted to hug her, but social distancing. Um, <laughs> and then we scheduled a, 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 a meeting where we had... One of the lead, one of the lead people in all of diversity and inclusion in America, have a conversation with us. So more than two hundred plus people on a on a Zoom, and when you it say was just us, what do you mean? Our company. Mm -hmm. There's more than two hundred people on a Zoom, and he was just opening up a dialogue. Let's just talk. How are you guys? How are you guys feeling? First thing he wants you to say is what race you are, and then. Tell us how you're feeling. And that conversation was really engaging. You just got to hear other people's perspectives and it felt right. Was this a, did you say this was global or this was just in the, they in, the just, state, in the country? They literally just had to Zoom and said, whoever could make it, make it. And 226 of us mm -hmm. were on it mm, okay. and stayed the whole time. And it made me go, Wow, I'm I'm working for a different kind of company because mm -hmm. this isn't normal. Um, I would say outside of that, I think the one thing that my job understood is like if you need to take a mental health day, do it. If you need a little bit of time, do it because we want you to know that we are here to support you, and that I I can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention that. I had a one-on-one -on -one with my manager 
and she was super supportive and super thoughtful and heard me out and said the same thing. My CEO said the same thing to me as well. Um, and it acknowledged that he does not understand the magnitude of what I'm going through as a black woman. Right. Um, but I think that's great that we have companies that care about our yeah. well-being. Yeah. Because they don't have to. These are facts. So that transitions me right into the other part of that conversation, though, which is of these people that you even deem to be allies, whether it's your CEO, another person, blah, blah, blah. If you have white friends outside of them, how have they been expressing things to you? Has any of them reached out to you? Has it been annoying? Has it been okay? Like, what has been your feelings with your core group of, you know, white counterparts? Um, I will say that I will just talk about all the white people that I know <laughs> and say that on a whole, no, it has not been annoying because most of them have not reached out. Most of them have not. I can probably count on one hand how many have and um what do you feel like that's to do with one reached out because she's actually a work colleague and honestly if i if i could think of the wokest white person (laughs) and just in tune i think i told you about her before like i can make a joke and she'll get it and it'll be like the type of joke where you would have to know this particular show or this particular song or whatever and she gets it um, she actually reached out and offered a, a, a listening ear or just, you know, just letting her, letting me know that she's there for me. And that's after a conversation she had with one of our mutual colleagues. Um, another person reached out to me, and this is someone from high school who we were never that tight. But we follow each other on social media and, you know, sometimes she'll post things and we'll have conversations in her DMs about something that she posts and then vice versa. And we'll have a whole dialogue. And she actually, you know, she sent me some clips and posts of, of things that were interesting when it came to people's reactions and statements that they've made and everything like that. And just... You know, I, I appreciated that from her because it, it showed me that she wasn't, like, too scared to say something. Oh, you know, that makes sense. Just say something. Like, it, yep. to, you don't have to say, hey, you know, I'm an ally. I'll be there for you. Like, here's my cell. You can call <laughs> me at any time. But like I said, these white people are shook. Okay. And when I say they're shook, they don't know what to do. They don't know what. And so when you don't want to do the wrong thing, like I said, sometimes you don't do a damn thing. So just even me having interaction during this time says a lot to me because there's people that have not done that, that could, and people that I thought I was cool with to the point where they would do that and they did not i've had a couple of clients reach out to me and literally say 
I hope you are heard. I hope that you are safe. I hope that you are taking care of yourself mentally. Like, say a whole spiel. Clients, these are people I work for. But the person who I thought I was tight with at work has said shit. It's some goofy shit. It's interesting to see who steps up to the plate during a time like this. That's all I can say about that. It's very interesting to see it. So, I've had several of my closer white peeps reach out to me. Just not only on the work front, but in like personal life. Just in general, just checking in. Just making sure that I'm good. I'm in a good headspace. Which is appreciated. That's Is that how they asked you? Or was there, was there like a whole spiel? When I say spiel, like a little mini paragraph. Like, I'm here for you. Da, da, da. If you ever need anything, just let me know. Like... Or is it just like, hey, are you good? I've gotten at least out of the probably 10 or 11 messages that I've received, I'll probably say 80% of them have been long, like, Mm -hmm. soliloquies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I can appreciate. Yeah, because it actually took time to think of that. Right. To send it to you. It took time and effort. But um, I don't know. I I try to... uh, this is gonna sound so dumb. Whatever. I don't. I don't always believe that they can use empathy, right? Like, there's only so much you can do. They I'm not saying it's not empathy. possible. Well, they can use sympathy because they have never. They have never been black. But you know what I'm trying to say, right? Like, they try, but there's only but so much realistically you can do. Mm-hmm. When you say try, you're saying, like, I know what you're going through type yeah, of thing? Yeah. Has like, someone said that to you? Yeah, well... Oh, come on. No, now. it's That's more so like... A, no, no, no. <laughs> no, but it's not... It's less... It's less I know what you're going through and more I understand and hoping we could do some things to make it better. The understand is... I mean... <laughs> you know what I've learned about this time? It's that black people... And I already knew this, but this just re-emphasized it. Black people are super hard to impress. Okay, you could say that about anybody, though. No, we are super hard to impress. Okay. We are. We are super critical. I I had posted one of my client's messages to me on my IG story, and it was only up for maybe 20 minutes because some of the comments that I got were like judging the way that she worded what she said to me. And I was like, well, I appreciate the fact that she even said this. And it just made me feel like, wow, this is why (laughs) white people are scared to say something. Because look at the way you are picking apart every single word down to a punctuation. And so... And you know, someone looking at looking at a message and not knowing the person who's writing it may feel a certain way. But yeah. it, it, it's like I didn't. I took it down because I was like, I don't even want to have to debate with any black person about what this white person said to me that I appreciated. Like now, <laughs> you're stealing my joy. I don't even have any joy this whole week. And this one person said something that was just. I felt it was heartfelt and thoughtful. And you're gonna come in and attack that. I felt some type of way. And that's what told me. I was like, you know what? We we still haven't grown from that. The, well, 
I got to have a lot of meaningful conversations with my peeps, though. Like all my white peeps. So I, when like, they said when like, say let I me mean, know, and then how? Yeah, how but it's like start? a real like, hey, yeah, it, it's always a let me know if you want to talk thing, and I'll normally just say I really appreciate you reaching out. It's been mm-hmm. tough, blah blah blah, and then it's. I want to say at least six of them. Hey, do you have a time where you want to talk? Because we're all in, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. So it's not like they're going anywhere. So it real conversations is what we have though. They, they're asking me real questions. Like how bad do you feel like the system is based on what you've seen? And that would sound like something that's super basic, but all you have to do is get a couple of instances and it just makes them like, go, what the, I think it was I think it was hard for me having one conversation because it was the same thing we brought up before. One of my friends has four kids. He's a white guy. And I was like, you never have to worry about this. Ever. That's a different life. And I think he took that as there is only I mean, when you have kids, of course, we try to protect them or whatever, but there's mm-hmm. only so much you can do with it even in that. So he's like, no matter if you're a black kid or a white kid, but he's like, I'm not diminishing what happens. You know what I mean? Gotta put so those disclaimers very, out there. Right, he kept... <laughs> put them out there. Put them out there first prior to your statement. But it, was a, but it was a good, heavy conversation. Which then makes me want to go to another piece of the topic that we Before were Before you about go about. to it, there was this tweet that I saw that I, yeah. I appreciated. It said... It's a privilege to learn about racism instead of experiencing it your whole life. The fact that you Woo. and that I was like, Woo. baby, the fact Look that you me. have to ask a question about how racism is. How is racism? <laughs> How's racism treating you? <laughs> Why did you make it sound I'm like sorry, the no. morning eggs? I, I, no. So how are, how are those eggs? <laughs> but that I, you... I, I, I'm I'm saying this in, in pure jest because I I honestly appreciate the fact that your white colleagues slash friends or whoever's in your life actually wanted to start the conversation with you, and I think that as a black person, we are so tired that. I know for me, I struggle with uh, I struggle with half of me wanting to educate because I need them to understand, and the other half of me saying, "Google it and find out." Amanda Seals made a crazy point that I think is just it resonated so well with me. She said, "We are telling you to educate yourselves. Don't." She's like, "Don't." She's like, "To all my white friends, don't come to me asking me what books to read, what podcast to listen to, what organization to donate. Google it, just like I have to. Search, research the information." Another thing she said was, "When it comes to being black in America, there is so much of our history we have to learn on our own." Because the school system is erasing it from history books. Don't get me started. That us telling you to educate yourself is not any different than what we expect of ourselves. Okay? She also mentioned the fact that she knows so much about the Holocaust. And I'm saying that I'm saying that because it's true. I could tell you so many facts about the Holocaust. What can you tell me about the African slave trade? Name five things. You know? So when it comes to educating and learning guys just know your your black friends are tired we we are we want to educate and one thing i will say is the, the good thing about the conversation you had with your friends is 
I'm sure there were a lot of things that you told them about your own experiences that they would never learn through Google. Yeah. And I think that that's very, very valuable. I just want to read you one of our text exchanges because I think it's, it's meaningful. I think it's very meaningful. I try not to have long text, by the way. Like, I try to get text done and over with as soon as, like, <laughs> there's no reason. But during this, I'm saying whatever I got to say. You know what I mean? Like, you're you going to get these words. You wanted to listen? You're going to listen. I mean, you're going to read. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to read today. No, so my friend reaches out and says, um, the last few years have so opened my eyes to how prevalent racism is and how many forms it takes. Wow, this is a lot. This is heavy rereading it now. Jesus. Um, uh, I'm not going to get through this without feeling emotional. So whatever. He goes on to say, it's unfortunate how much this impacts black people and black America as a whole. And even us being friends and both immensely valuing one another's input we are a sliver of a percentage of people that have this kind of relationship i don't think i've ever got the information the way that i got it now the last month or so has completely erased any ability to rationalize anything that happens i don't think i was rationalizing before that much but the idea that i have rationalized it before mm. actually is ridiculous mm. i've known that racism was wrong I've also known that as a kid, other kids who are from other backgrounds get treated differently than I did. And then he goes on to say, our country has never dealt with its mean and terrible suffering of black people and black lives. We have never dealt with what we did to indigenous people. We sweep it all under the rug. This can't continue to happen. And so me and him have a conversation. That was dope. But we have a conversation. Like we talk to each other on the phone. During that conversation, I said a lot. And one of the first things that I had said, and then I kind of even hit him up message-wise about it, like a follow-up. We talked about how 90% of white people live next to white people. Same for black people, basically, too. It's almost 90% with us. But what happens within that 90% is the scary part. When people think of people that look like me, especially when I'm back home, there are caveats and conditions to everything related to being black. I don't care if your parent is a liberal, a moderate liberal, or even a Republican. It doesn't matter across party lines. There is a reason why your neighborhood is 90% white. And do you understand why it is that way? Because if you don't understand why it's that way, then your kid's not going to understand why it's that way. And if you are okay with not understanding that, then you are further perpetuating the systemic racism. Because the idea that you live around only white people, you probably should know about redlining. And if you don't know about that, then you haven't done your history check. And then the idea that your kid would hear the news or you would hear the news and see black people violating or doing something wrong do you understand who owns what and why the news is giving you that information and why the fear-mongering 
and the separatists and the, div the divisiveness of those things are happening? Have you educated yourself to understand that? Everything that we're attached to then becomes bad. So when the white kid is taught about what's a good school versus a bad school, that was a difficult conversation between me and my friend. I said to him, think about it. Black schools are considered to have lower GPAs, less resources, and to be unsafe. I said, those narratives are built up by something. I'm not blaming the media wholeheartedly for that. There's, it comes from somewhere. And I'm like, do you believe yourself that if it's a minority school that your kid is gonna be comfortable there? And he said, no. He also admitted, he's like, yeah, most of those schools are the bad schools though. And I'm like, why do you think that is? Did like, he say lack of funding? Of course, <laughs> of course. And then I said, imagine the media narrative around that school. Imagine the narratives that parents over parents over the course of years have given. And then I'm like, imagine that at the housing and community level where the narratives are stirred and they're skewed and people are telling you if black people move into your neighborhood, the value of the home goes down. If black people move into your neighborhood, death goes up. If black people move into your neighborhood, in general, you're probably gonna feel a lot less safe. All bullshit narrative. So then what? You start to believe that stuff. And these images on TV kind of replay and then give you even more reason to believe and double down on those beliefs. And then eventually your kid kind of comes over to those the beliefs. And you're like, no, 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 but I'm a liberal person. I don't, I don't think that way. No, but you have, you're a part of it now. And the most slick shit that I love that's like that covert racism that I don't think the average moderate white person knows <laughs> is when they say, and me and you have talked about this numerous amounts of times. I have a black friend. No, oh. <laughs> no, way better. When you ask them about their neighborhood and then they ask you about your neighborhood and if you tell them something like Harlem, What's the response? What's the word? What's the word? It's the next oh, word. Oh, sketchy. Oh my God. But Harlem's God. not sketchy anymore. It's up and coming. <laughs> which means more of your people are moving there. That's what that means. That's all it That's means. That's what that means. You now feel comfortable coming to my ex-sketchy neighborhood. That's all it means. I think that what you're saying is super true. I also want to highlight the, the fact that these same people grow up in these white households and these white neighborhoods and their world is white. The only time their world is black is when they listen to the music they bump, when they watch whatever movies, when they have that one black friend, possibly when they go to college and they encounter a couple more black people. And so what you have is a disparity. You have white people in their white bubble, yep. black people in their bubble. Yep. And in the white person's bubble, we have to call it white fragility. We have to call it, you are okay with your life because you don't even see what's happening in someone else's life because you don't have to. And if it ever comes a time like a George Floyd or a Trayvon Martin or Eric Garner or hashtag, 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 hashtag. If there ever comes a point in your life where you have to kind of face it, you can always opt out because it makes you feel uncomfortable. And it's not your problem. That's true. According to you, because you're not black and you're not, you're not killing us, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And I say maybe because I don't know what you're doing. But you may feel like it's not your problem because you aren't the person that is murdering us but you have ideals and you have uh stereotypes about us in your mind which could drive the way that you raise your kids 
to have those same stereotypes, like you said. Then you have the black bubble. And the black bubble is, and I won't even say black bubble because it doesn't take for a black person to live amongst black people to go through the experiences that we go through. It is the weathering effect. Have you heard of that? Yes. I was listening to The Daily and they were talking about how coronavirus, the different ways that coronavirus has impacted black people and why it has impacted us more. And they spoke about the weathering uh, effect which is basically black people having to go through stressful situations. It could come from the economics of black people. It could come from racial dynamics. It could come from just different disparities and what we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, the types of people we encounter, how we are treated, how, how we are not treated. And the weathering effect is our body creating so much cortisone that it wears down on our health, on our general health. So naturally, because of the events that we experience, watching these videos, I cannot tell you how much I have probably aged myself in watching the amount of videos I've seen in the last seven days. Because we don't realize that when we are watching these videos, we are experiencing a level of trauma that we may not even be aware of. It is a form of PTSD. And after years of seeing that and coming across that, that wears you down health-wise. So then you add a pandemic and yet your body is going to be a little bit weaker than someone else who can withstand a virus that kills because you've been watching your people get killed for the last five years, 10 years, 30, 40, 50 years. It's crazy. So now I feel like we have a, a clashing of the bubbles, right? We have more, more white people trying to care or you know, not trying to pull the I didn't know card or trying to really actually pay attention to what's happening because they see that this is affecting everything worldwide now so it must be important and then you have the black people who have been weathered this whole time trying to explain to y'all this is not new this is new to you that's the difference that's a tough conversation let as far as my um, my conversations were concerned, I've tried my hardest not to um, judge when somebody's trying to, you know, just have a dialogue. That's right? good. I try like because they need to have these dialogues, right? Like I, I'm not I'm not the one trying to nitpick about the words that you're using. More so, mm-hmm. where is it coming from? Is yeah. my my bigger thing. Yeah, I'm always open to dialogue, but I will admit this. I don't like being the sole reason why you're being educated on something. You should do your own research, right? Mm-hmm. I appreciate the majority of the, the, the white friends that I have because they really do do the research and they're open to having real conversations. So, and when they're asking about my experience, it's more so like, is it as bad as they're making it out to be in this context of something is it worse for you like how are you like how do you feel about this and they want a real barometer based on their reading and i'm like i always can give them but i'm like this is just me 
that I can't, I'm not representative of everybody, right? So I'm like, you can't take my word as the, I'm end not all the end-all be-all be for all black people. Right. So those are always tough conversations too. But one of my friends was asking me, and this kind of takes us to the next part of this, was what do you think can be done about the police and how things have been handled? And I was, I was like, well, there's a bunch of things that aren't going to change within that because of the way the system is set up. And it's going to take so much more than even a protest or anything to change that. And so the Daily did a really good job of kind of calling out those things that were associated with that. And I just want to go over those and just have a quick conversation about that. On this latest episode of the the New York Times show, The Daily Podcast, they covered the five things that kind of help the police get by with their overall system that allows them to get off. The first thing they called out was internal affairs. Um, Basically, the police get to police themselves. They have a Department of Internal uh, Affairs division that the officers take complaints and investigate them when something comes in after they've done something wrong. Um, And based on that, they nine times out of 10 find a way to get them out of it. All right. That's one. Having a full internal affairs division that's dedicated to getting you off. Great. Then there's civil service protection. Basically, public employees are allowed to appeal firings or other discipline to an independent body. And a lot of times with cops, they are given a lesser punishment when they appeal. Or if they've been fired, they're reinstated because of the civil service protection. Then there's civilian review. Basically, if a cop had on a cop cam, um, non-police officers will get whatever the uh, complaint is sent to a review actions team that are not cops, they'll get to review it and they'll get to call out their behavior. The problem is that that has no actual value. Like they just dismiss those people. Not joking. Okay. Then there's police unions. So number four, these are the organizations that represent the rank and file members. It's their job basically to protect the police even further. So they're often led by the old school law and order individuals who often are the biggest opponent to reform of any kind. So if somebody is coming in as the new chief and they wanna reform the old rules, that police union is normally ran by somebody who's gonna say, F that, we're doing things the way we've always done them. Because if we don't, then somebody who got off for something else back in the day can come back and say, hey, well, uh, do you guys are restate, reinstating people when I only kick this person in the face? Mm. Next, and the final one, is a legal concept called reasonable fear. Oh, wow. That just sounds all the way wrong. <laughs> Basically, if an officer can make an argument that a reasonable officer would have been afraid for their life or for the life of a fellow officer in that moment, 
then the jury is not supposed to convict them. And that's a pretty big hurdle to overcome. This allows most cops to not have to go to prison because of a reasonable fear. Well, shit. They're all scared. I'm scared too, so shit, I got a reasonable fear. So shouldn't I fucking get off every time too? No. I'm just asking. You're the not question. a cop. I'm just asking the question. <laughs> the cops are allowed to break the law in order to not save your life. Right. <laughs> because they're scared of you. Because you're black. But what you've seen here is there's multiple boards put in place to stop you from ever taking away their jobs or if not taking away their jobs, getting them suspended or taking away their pay cut paycheck or sending them to jail. There's so much that goes into that. Our system is dedicated towards making sure that their lives matter. So let me ask you this. All those five things, are those things that are reviewed simultaneously or that was the order in which they review? Uh, it, it wasn't specifically about the order in which they review. It's just these five things across the board, no matter what city you're in, no matter what state, they all have it. So is it like majority rules, like four out of five? Okay, we're going to do something or... Like oh, they always know on... They always know the thing based on how it goes, what they're going to use. And you can't get around this. Insane. All these cops are scared, though. According to them, they are fearing for their lives. They are shooting to kill. So based off of the reasonable fear... That makes perfect sense because they are so scared of doing a job that requires them to be in dangerous situations. What? What? You signed up for this. This begs the question that me and my dad talked about, actually. My dad worked for the prison system for 25 years of his life. He's retired. My mom, same thing. I was asking my dad, you guys dealt with the worst of the worst in the prison system. They were in a level four and a level five prison. Level five is the worst possible offenses. Level four is just a smidge below that. But I'm asking him, was there ever any programs in place to allow a, um, a police officer to do some form of training through you guys for like a year, maybe two years before they actually go out there into the field? My dad said, yeah, we've done that before, actually. And the reason why I was asking, because I was like, if you really think about it, you guys have to try at all costs to de-escalate every situation because if something actually breaks out, you're going to die, right? Mm -hmm. They don't even give them guns because if something was to happen, you're going to die. So you're called every name in the book at that job. You're harassed consistently. You're talked down to. People plot your the death of you. So I'm like, in that position, if you take that on for a year or two, before you actually go out there into the field, you're taught to de-escalate first. And if you're taught to de-escalate first, then maybe the way that you're handling regular people will be completely different if you've dealt with the worst of the worst. That was my theory. My dad goes, yeah, but racist is racist. 
He's like, it doesn't matter if That's you facts. went through that training. It doesn't matter anything. If you have racism in you, then you're going to do the same thing you were going to do regardless. And if you have racism in you, you're going to take advantage of the position that you have where you can now retaliate against people that you don't like because they're black. And you can get paid for it. And even if they did put you on leave, you're still getting paid for it. Perfect situation is the perfect setup. Perfect job. I can see why they're all doing it. <laughs> I get to be racist and get paid for it? Wow. Sign me up. But that was... <laughs> my theory was debunked right away when my dad said what he said. And I was like, damn. There is no winning. Racism wins. Always. I mean, they Apparently. they even said that when they were talking about how uh, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin had worked at the same um, bar slash restaurant... And Derek Chauvin had worked there as a as a guard on the ground level for 17 years. And George Floyd had worked there from, for one of those 17 years. And he worked upstairs. They interviewed the, the owner of the, sto- of the restaurant. And she said, you know, when she saw the video, someone else pointed out to her, hey, those two guys worked at your bar. Both of them. And she had to do like a double take and see that they did. She said George George Floyd just looked different, but then she recognized that that was him. And she also said that she didn't know if they had ever talked to each other or, or anything like that because they worked in two different areas. But she did mention that Derek Chauvin had a tendency to quickly tase people. If there was ever a situation that escalated, she said that that happened very often. Is that fear or is that doing your job? It's a fair point. Um, He had 17 different instances where he did the wrong thing. Misconducts, as they call them. Come on, bro. Come on. So if there was no cell phone footage of George Floyd, he would have been written up as a misconduct. Pretty much. These are facts. Um, let's transition this again. We've covered a lot of ground already, but what has been your take on what's been happening with the protest? Like, I think for the first time in my lifetime, I've seen the biggest protest I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm making this up. Or maybe I'm viewing it the wrong way. But I want to know why you think it's as big as it's grown. And what oh, that's, that's you think simple. has played into this. That's simple. COVID. Okay. That's my simple answer. COVID. Um, pe- millions of people have lost their jobs. Millions of people have time on their hands. Millions of people that's have have a means to be able to look at social media all day, every day, watch these videos, take in this information, be enraged, and actually have the opportunity to act on that rage because they're not at work. That's it. Because when when you had all these other situations of police brutality, the hundreds that we've had in the last few years, most people are at work. And most protests happen on the weekends. 
because that was the time people had off. Now people are off. Right. They are off every single day until they have a job. Cities are shut down already. There is nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. There is no other obligation anyone has in this moment but to survive. And on top of that, people are stir crazy. They are going, the effects of COVID have impacted the reason why this has become what, what it is. Do you I was, think that's what led to looting? Oh, looting? Um, no, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, looting is, is, is a clear, um, it's a clear reason why looting is happening. You have these anarchists and groups like Antifa who are against Trump who are using this time and capitalizing on the moment to be able to do what they like to do best, which is looting. <laughs> it, it is. To, to spray paint stores, to break into major chains, this is what they do. This is what they are known for doing. Um, the all, all cops are bastards. They, they write that acronym everywhere. That's how you can tell that's Antifa because they have a um, clear hate for authority so and i know why black people are mad about looting because they don't want white america to think that we are the ones doing it i think it's quite clear we're not at this point i think there has been enough footage out there showing cops setting their own cars on fire and <laughs> white white people uh, breaking windows into patagonia <laughs> To know, and Chanel, and North Face, and all these other places, to know that we going out to protest is not also us trying to loot. Now, I will say, there are, I've seen videos of white people actually paying off black people to loot. I've seen videos of stacks of bricks popping up out of nowhere. Ain't no construction on site because we had, we've had COVID for three months. Stacks of bricks just popping up in major parts of the city. Who's planting these, these bricks? It, you have to wonder. So I feel like there, there is something to be said about the fact that there, there, there is a certain way that this is transpiring and while I'm not going to say all the looters are white, I will say that the majority of them are instigating it. <laughs> I will. I've seen too many videos of looters, white looters, trying to throw one of those stacks of bricks into a store and a black person stopping them. <laughs> I don't see white people stopping them. But I will say that off the point of the looters... One thing I can appreciate when it comes to the people that are protesting is that I am seeing a lot of white faces and I, I'm seeing a lot of non-black faces and I, that are actually protesting, that are actually there for the cause and not only there for the cause, but they are willing to put their life on the line for the cause. Like they are willing to get in a cop's face for the cause. And I would like to just, 
honor and be grateful for the white privilege they know they have <laughs> at this point where they know that they can do this and get away with it. And when I say get away with it, know that they won't get killed. Because if we were to treat the cops in these situations, the way I've seen some of these white people where they are not following any of the rules, but they are going to get that message across. <laughs> I am super grateful for that because that in itself is showing a level of solidarity that I can't expect from a lot of people. So I have a, I have a different take on this than you, but this is good. This is why dialogue is Don't important. you always. No. No. Um, as far as the protests are concerned, and the reason why I think they're so big, a part of it is to do with the pandemic. But I think the other part of it, and I think a lot of people are missing this, is that this is Gen Z. This is their first time properly being either either just out of high school, in high school, but acknowledging what's happening and what has happened. And think about what they've lived through versus what we've lived through. Mm -hmm. They've always been around basically during the entire social media age, right? Mm -hmm. But in being around in it, what have they seen through the social media age? They've lived through Trayvon Martin. They've lived through Philando Castile. They've lived through pretty much everything that's happened over the past decade that's to do with black bodies hanging, dying, lynching. And you keep seeing these videos over and over and over and over again. We, our generation, what did we see? We saw Rodney King, right? But we didn't see video consistently of these things. You know what I mean? We just didn't. We didn't have cell phones. They have that. And so there is a different feeling when you're like, fuck this. You already got me staying in the house. You've already taken my summer away from me. And now you're telling me that me just living is an issue. And I've watched you guys allow all these people to kill us. Fuck you. And so I think they've made a concerted effort of something's going to change while I'm out here. And they have showed up in droves. This is supposed to be an election year, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we all know that. And usually you see big, large, massive amounts of people show up on the campaign trail. There has been no campaign trail this year, right? <laughs> they can't do that. What I'm noticing is that if you were going to talk about having a grassroots movement, this is what the fuck it would look like. People on the fucking street letting you know what it is. This is what true campaigning looks like. And I think they're showing you how they feel about all of the imagery and all of the suffering and all of the pain that they've ever seen. And they're letting it out. They're showing it. I'm not saying it's all positive. I'm not saying it's all negative. But they're showing it. And when I think about what's happening with the looting... That the idea of going into somebody else's property or somebody else's space, whether it's a large corporation or small business, man, that is that is something that I can understand why a bunch of people would go, that's fucked up and you should not do that. 
And why would you ruin your own neighborhood? Why would you ruin property that doesn't belong to you? Are you not civilized? Oh, going down the Trina route. Right? Like, Animals. Are, you not, are you not civilized? But then you have to think of the other side of it. In our country, that has pretty much been the way they've handled everything. And by they, I mean white people. Like, if you come to somebody else's land that you don't own, you call these people another name than what they are. You call them Indians when they're indigenous people. And then you kill them, rape them, steal everything that they own. You go to other lands and other places and you bring those artifacts back and you put them in your museums. But how did you get them eluded? How many, how many centuries of free labor did America get just to even start up? And then there was that's not looting? There was something called the Boston Tea Party where pretty oh, sure riots and things how happened. How dare they? But when they did it, it was different because they were white. So I'm they not saying those. I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do, but it's the white thing to do. <laughs> I, I saw this video. Uh, I think I posted it on our IG story. This guy that was in downtown Chicago and he said that he took his dog out for a walk and realized while on that walk that there was looting going on just down the block from him because he lives in a place where there's stores and everything like that just right underneath him. And he said 100% of the people that he saw were white that were <laughs> doing it. This is a white guy telling, telling on his own. But I mean, as far as is it right, do you, you're saying that it is right because it can spark change or you're saying that you're neutral to it if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't i'm saying there is no right answer there is no wrong answer i don't i know there's a lot of small businesses that are going to go out of business and we're already on the precipice of going out of business because of the pandemic <laughs> you say your business was going out of business anyway no, but what I'm saying is that this just exacerbated the situation, right? Like, if somebody burst in your shit, they stole a whole bunch of shit, like, okay, well, then where's my business now, right? Um, I can understand, and I'm, I'm very empathetic to anything like that. But where my brain goes is, eventually you can get a store back. That's the biggest thing. You cannot get a life back. That's really where my head's at. Like, I don't know how else to say that. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's white. So, yeah. I, I mean, I can agree with that. I First of all, I don't know if there's... What is the wrong way to go about this? Like, what is the complete wrong way to go about this? Because if the, if 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 this is the wrong way, what is the right way? What is the way that's going to bring results? Well, you should kneel. Oh, no, no, yeah. actually, you shouldn't oh, yeah, do that. You that, shouldn't that actually works. do no, that. No, because that's disrespecting the flag. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. And Man. I Woof. don't disrespect my stars and stripes now. Woof. Which brings us to our next point, celebrities. Oh. Oh. <laughs> who's, doing it? who's doing it right? Who's doing it wrong? What have you seen? I want to hear from you. I want to start with Drew Brees. You did it way wrong, bro. <laughs> What the fuck were you talking about, Drew Brees? What he knew what he was talking about. 
fuck are you even saying, bro? But what he said should have been said uh, three years ago, maybe. You know when everyone else was saying it? Not now, and people are getting... Well, he did say it three years ago. Oh, did he? Oh, so oh, he's repeating yeah. himself. Oh, he's doubling down. Oh, okay. Well, wow. He is doubling Look down. Look at you, standing by your values. Yes. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, who aren't paying attention to the Twitter sphere the way that I do, uh, Drew Brees was doing an interview with Yahoo, and he said, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. And that was more so in regards to anybody kneeling. (laughs) So Drew Brees, by saying that one statement, I mean, it elicited the reaction I expected. He had everybody from LeBron James to former teammates to even current teammates commenting and giving all of the shit to him. LeBron James had actually quote tweeted that and said, wow, man, is it still surprising at this point? Sure isn't. You literally still don't understand why Cap was kneeling on one knee. Has absolutely nothing to do with and the disrespect of the flag of the United States and our soldiers who keep our land free. My father-in-law was one of them, for God's sakes. Aaron Rodgers, another quarterback. He came out and said, a few years ago, we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. It has never been about an anthem or a flag. Not then, not now. Listen with an open heart. Let's educate ourselves and then turn word and thought into action. Hashtag wake up America. It's time for change. You have to understand when you're not on the right side of history. And the idea that Drew Brees doesn't understand that is unbelievable because he's supposed to be the leader of a football team. That's the leader of 54 other men. Dude, He's the, leader of, he's the leader of a team. Seventy percent of your team is black. What team? The New Orleans Saints. What they doing right now? Everybody's on break right now. <laughs> Everybody's on break. Like I said, it's funny. Funny how things work out. Cap is sitting there laughing. Talk about y'all took sports away from me. Look at the world. They took sports away from you. Drew Brees. What you doing, Drew Brees? Do you have a job? Oh, no, you don't. Just like me. (laughs) And you didn't even kneel. Funny. It's karma at its finest. You said they on a break. (laughs) They are. They Okay, wait. I want to get to somebody who's crushing it. Um, Actually, there's a couple of people crushing it. Kiki crushed it. I don't know if you saw what she did. I saw her video when She, she was... Telling the officers to walk with them and kneel with them. Crushed it. Knocked it out of the park. Then there is, um, I don't know if you know him, but he's on the Star Wars franchise. He's one of the only black guys. The British actor. The British actor. His name is John Boyega. Mm -hmm. John Boyega has been on a rampage lately, whether it's his IG Live or just in general when he's at these protests. He's been very clear. And one of the things he said while he was on IG Live that stirred the pot with a lot of people and why people were calling him racist for this. They were calling him prejudiced. They were like, <laughs> we lost all respect for you. They were like, I'm going to follow you. Racist. Blah, 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 blah. Wow. He said, fuck you racist white people. 
They were mad at him for that. If you're mad, you're guilty. If someone said, fuck you, racist black people, and I know that sounds funny just even saying that, I wouldn't even be mad because you're not even addressing me. So, wait. <laughs> he does a... He goes to protest with everybody else. He, like, literally puts himself on the front lines. And while he's over the megaphone, he says, look, I don't know if I'm going to have a career after this, but fuck that. Yeah, I saw that video. Jordan Peele quote tweets this and said, we got you, John. I, listen, I can't, if we want to talk about black unity, that's as best you can possibly do it. Like, I'm a director in film. You ain't got to worry about that. We'll find you work. Black people are not with the shits right now. At this point, it's almost like we have nothing to lose because we've lost a lot. In this pandemic, we have we have lost so much. So it's like, well, what's next? This is my livelihood here. My livelihood is being black. Like, this is who I am before I'm anything else. But I have to say this. what? So there has been people like Emma Watson that have gotten backlash for even broaching the situation. How did she do it? So she put up three black squares on her IG. Okay. Well, she didn't do it the way that other people did it. Oh. Um, so she has an aesthetic on her IG already. And with that aesthetic, you know, it's kind of the it's kind of the cropping where you see like a white outer circle mm-hmm. and then the picture. Mm-hmm. Well, she did that with this too. What's wrong with that? And then also kept her three, her three uh, picture format. So, <laughs> people were I they were like you seriously are. So they're mad that she did three instead of one. No, it's more so her trying to keep her IG aesthetic in the process of it, and then being like she's never spoken on anything, never really done anything, and people mm. were like, "Are you serious?" Okay, well. I guess I could see that. I, how do you see it? What? Um, there's something to be said about, and I know this goes back into the black people being so critical because I am black. And when I was saying that, I was talking about myself as well. There's something to be said about people on Instagram that used Blackout Tuesday as a way of, I don't know, it, it was almost like a shortcut way of saying, hey, I touched on the matter. You know, it's like, I didn't put a statement out. I never posted a link. I never donated. I never did this. But hey, here's your square. It is, it's really, it really is, um, honestly. And it's it's hard to tell when someone's just doing that. But if, if that person, if that person... <laughs> If that person, she got 1.5 million likes on that. <laughs> How many likes she she got a million likes on each square? Wow. If that person did not say anything in their course of this all happening and all they did was post a black square, I don't know how much that says to me about what they know and what they actually care about. That that to me just seems like you're doing something in vain. That's just my personal opinion. That's it. I think 
people are just giving shit to give shit at this point. I'm like, we are not with the shit. So we we are at this point where we're like, if you do one thing wrong, one more game, we are coming after you. One more, you better do it right the first time, or else you're canceled for life. (laughs) Um. Then there's brands. Brands have been jumping in on this. Um, I've called out Ben and Jerry's to me did the best job of any brand, period. It's not close. <laughs> yeah, they actually said white supremacy in bold white letters. Um, I know the CEO of Ben and Jerry's. I used to work for him. Oh, very good guy. Give me guy. some free ice cream. Very, very good guy. Please. Um, and I even chatted with him on LinkedIn and I was very, I was so happy. I was like, bro, you guys got to keep doing this. Keep doing the work. Um, I think it's funny when a brand like uh, Celine says something or even puts up a square or does anything considering they don't show any black people in their advertisements. They don't have them on the runway. They don't hire them. There's no minorities that they really hire. And so it's a weird thing. Are you really standing in solidarity or are you just jumping on the coattails it's weird there is a lot of backlash from this and i think these are times where you have to find your white your white way um (laughs) of communicating this (laughs) as a brand i think nike did a pretty good job but nike always is in these waters you know that's not a shock i think there are certain other brands that don't have a leg to stand on that probably shouldn't do anything like chick-fil-a <laughs> wow New lives matter wow what do you got though any brands that you've seen um when it comes to celebrities i'll say i like what taylor swift wrote and the reason why i like what she wrote is not because of what she wrote but because who she represents i believe that she probably has a lot of republican fans because she was first a country artist and a lot of Republicans are into country music. She wrote, after stoking the fires of white supremacy and racism your entire presidency, you have the nerve to feign moral superiority before threatening violence. This is in regards to Trump. When the looting starts, the shooting starts, we will vote you out in November. And then she added him. So, you know, to me, that was a, a succinct way of her saying she su- she supports what's happening, she hates Trump, and she's not Republican. So I I appreciated that because there was a point in time where I didn't know what Taylor Swift was, and I think she may have been Republican in the past, and she made a switch, honestly, based off of things that I've seen her write when things arise. 2020 is crazy because it's crazy when Taylor Swift has more clout with the black community and Kanye West. Oh, Ooh, shit. I'm gonna let you finish, but Kanye is not on Twitter, so he didn't have the best tweet of all time. Um, Another person, I like Demi Lovato, and these are people I don't even, I don't even particularly listen to their music nor follow <laughs> them, actually. They just came across my feed. Demi Lovato did a five-part post the first post was talking about bad cops. She said, stop killing black people, period. 
You are a disgrace to the country and humanity itself. And if you are mentally unstable enough that you judge someone for their <laughs> skin color, you don't deserve to be a cop. So please turn in your badge and gun before you kill another human being. The second post to the good cops. Stop letting your coworkers kill black people, period. I thank you for hearing everyone and protecting us, but oh my God, please do something. Please do better. To the president, to our quote unquote president, mm -hmm. be the leader we need right now. We are stuck with you until November. So I'm literally begging you, fix this. You're doing nothing to calm the American people, nor have you done anything to protect black the black community or stand up for them you're a cold heartless man and i hope this will haunt you forever do something other than threaten people for god's sake do what your wife says and quote unquote be best whatever the fuck that even means <laughs> yeah she did say that then she wrote to the white people she had time please help fight this good fight the black community needs you everyone needs you I'm terrified that the streets will burn and bleed until justice is served, and that will not happen until we all, we all, including herself, do our part. Our people fucked this up. This is not the black, this is not for the black community to fix. I think she forgot a word. We need to make this right now. Then she wrote to the activist shamers. Now everyone is going to live to your standards of what an activist should do. But just remember, these times are fucking crazy. There's still a global pandemic going on and some people can't protest even if they want to because of their health conditions. Or some people literally don't have the emotional capacity to process what's happening and are riddled with anxiety and just trying to survive the day. But everyone is on their own journey and hopefully they will find the strength to fight their own struggles to be able to help others. Then she wrote about scared and uncomfortable white people who aren't speaking out. Do you want me to read that? No. Okay. Then she wrote to her black friends. Do you want me to read that? No. Okay. What I'm saying to you is she covered all the bases. Right. And it took her time, effort, and thought to write that. And I am all for that. For a good PR team. At least she, at least she have one. Hey. Because honestly, let's go to the people I didn't like. <laughs> I will say this though. Um... I appreciate the fact that Jay-Z has bought ads in, in the newspapers to, you know, put his message out. I appreciate that the conversations that, that he's had behind the scenes that have been um, spoken about in public. He's getting crushed on Fox News over that stuff, though. But continue. Of course they would. I'm, that's fair, too. I don't even know why I even brought <laughs> oh, it up. Oh, no. Not Fox News. I don't even know why I brought it <laughs> oh, up. Oh, news. Um I don't really care for what Beyonce had to say, though. I, I feel like um, <laughs> everything with Beyonce is scripted. Everything with Beyonce is perfect. The girl had a freaking filter on her whole video message and a piano playing in the background. And it just took away any ounce of authenticity she could have had just by saying how she felt. <laughs> Sorry, Beyonce. Demi even did better than you or her PR team. Beyonce can afford one. Um, the company that I do like that that did the damn thing, I will say Ben and Jerry's, I totally agree with you. They called it what it was and it was short and it was it was um it was impactful. Nike, I appreciated them putting that video together. Um and I also one more company, I also appreciated what Reebok had to write and it was super simple. 
but it was acknowledging the truth. They said without the black community, Reebok would not exist. America would not exist. We are not asking you to buy our shoes. We are asking you to walk in someone else's, to stand in solidarity, Ooh, to find our bars. common ground of humanity. These that's it. Bars they gave. You. That's all they said, and I was like, "Listen, that's." It was six sentences. Most companies can't even do one word. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I want to get your closing statements, though. What are your closing statements? Oh uh, gosh, what can I say? My mind is all. You want me to go first? Yeah, please go first, and I'll 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 go after you. I think in 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 closing, America, we as a country, all of us, like own our history. We have to be able to have real conversations about how we got to where we're at now. Then you have to ask yourself at that point, what are you now, and then what do you want to do, knowing the history? Do you want to change the way? things are or do you want to keep them at the status quo if you want to keep them at the status quo you have to ask yourself why do you want to do that is it because you don't believe you are capable of living up to a standard that you think you are living up to which may have been handed to you because of history or is it just that it doesn't bother you because you've never been taught to empathize or put yourself in somebody else's shoes either way you have an opportunity to change the course of history. What are you going to do? Um, That's it. Oh, okay. I, I just want to say that uh, to to all the wonderful Caucasian people of the world, you know, there there was this thing that was going around when COVID first hit. And I don't necessarily believe in this quote, but it was a quote of saying, pay attention to who who's checking in on you during this hard time because that that obviously means something if they don't right i will say this we are paying attention to you COVID is something that directs everyone in different ways but is impacting everyone heavily racism is something that you may have never experienced in your life right so this quote does apply to you if you want to make an impact you don't have to do everything. You don't have to protest and donate and every little thing. But at the least, check in on your black friends. At the least. Because at the end of the day, they will always remember that you did not. And this is a time where you can actually show that you are more than just their friend, you are someone who actually cares about them as a person. You care about what's going on. You are paying attention to what's going on just by you checking in. If you don't, any one of us can assume that you don't care, that you aren't paying attention, and that it just doesn't matter to you. Racism is a world issue. The only difference is black people have to live with it all the time and you can choose to not. But the change starts with you because we didn't start racism and that's real. We did not start it. And until like Law said, you face the facts of what this history is in this country, you will never get to a point where you will understand what's happening or be able to make that change of what's happening. People talk about white power. Okay, use your white power for good to my black people. I feel you, I hear you, I 
I am right there with you. I appreciate the fact that we can talk to each other and, and say anything without judgment. It is imperative of you to take time for your mental health. Imperative. Do not do what I did last week. I was on social media 25-8. It was, it was too much and I could not stay away because I did not want to miss anything. We always want to stay woke. We always want to be informed. But honestly, there comes a time where the weathering will affect you. You need to take time for yourself. You need to find your black boy joy and your black girl magic and find those moments when you can feel normal again. Because if you have black friends and you are black, all you're doing is just passing around the things that you've seen. That's all you're doing during this time. We want to be woke and we want our friends to be woke. We want to have these conversations and we want to, you know, have rage and together and just feel like we are being understood and just having those black friends that we can do that with comfortably and not have to explain anything to you have to take a break you just do and i'm saying this to you just like i'm i'm actually really talking to myself right now because i have yet to do that um but take care of yourself because if you don't it you can't even fight the fight and just like that y'all know what it is y'all can catch us on Google Play, Y'all can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter. Good night.